Military community members were made for mission work. We already live our lives on mission. We already sacrifice. We're already in the nations. If the church wants to see um, a revival like they've never seen before, give military community members the gospel and see what happens. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Influencers Podcast. I am Chrissy Cochran, the Executive Director of Communications for CityServe, and it's another female takeover because I have here with me Mindy Wagner, our wonderful guest co-host. Mindy, say hi. Hey, hi, Chrissy. Hi, Megan. It's great to be back with you. Mindy, tell everyone, what do you do at CityServe? Mm. So I'm the executive assistant to Dave Donaldson, one of the founders of CityServe. And, you know, if you're in that role, you just wear many hats, whatever is needed this day to make things work. That's what I do. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You do. You do a lot, Mindy. We love you. But, you know, we don't mind when Dave and Scott kind of take off for a while because then me and you, we get to come on this podcast, take over a little bit. And today we are interviewing um, a lovely woman. I am so excited about this guest because what we're going to be talking about today are military spouses. And this is incredible because actually coming up soon, um, actually the Friday before Mother's Day is the Military Spouse Appreciation Day. And this day started back in 1984. And you know, military spouses, man, they go through a lot, I could imagine. And but they are the VIPs. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time um, talking to a fabulous guest, Megan Brown, um, and one of her books that she has out because, you know, I can imagine, man, life as a military spouse, it could be exhilarating, but it could be excruciating just the same. So uh, we're going to talk about why that is. And I have here, Mindy, just a couple of really interesting facts. Okay. Three interesting facts that I'm sure like when we think about it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. But we, unless you're in the middle of it, you don't really pay attention to. Okay. So number one, too few military families feel a sense of belonging to their community. And that makes sense. They're probably always moving around. How can they really feel like they belong and they're a part of something if they're, they're not there for very long? Uh, second fact, military spouses face unemployment rates that are four times the national average. Four times. That's a lot. So they probably have trouble keeping a job, right? It's so hard to imagine, and it just doesn't seem right. That's It's shocking. It doesn't seem acceptable. It's shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. And then uh, this last fact that I haven't really thought about, that eight out of 10 active duty family members have been separated from their family service member in the past 18 months due to military service. Yeah, because those that are actually in the service, yeah, they're gone. They're gone um, for a long sense of time. And so all of these three, I think, really keep, really make, um, you know, military spouses and families just really vulnerable, vulnerable um, attacks from the enemy, right? So anyway, today we have with us, though, Megan Brown. And so she's going to give us some insight into the life of a military wife because she is one. Uh, but she's also the author of the book, Know What You Signed Up For. I love that title. Know What You Signed Up For. Because probably many spouses probably didn't realize what they were getting themselves into, right? So she has here, man, um, okay, a history of five moves 
10 different houses, four children, two deployments to combat zones. Megan really quickly learned um, just a lot about the lifestyle and the toll it takes on a whole family. But she has sacrificed jobs, communities, friendships, and of course, personal dreams. So today, you know, Megan helps military spouses see their how they're chosen for military life and helps them hear God's calling to, the radic- to be radically hospitable and unconditionally loving. I love that. So Megan Brown, she is a seasoned military spouse, mother, Bible teacher, and military missionary. Wow, that's super important. Megan is the founder and executive director of Milspo Co. She is passionate about sharing the gospel of Jesus to the active duty military community in hopes of kickstarting restoration and revival. She's also a graduate of Moody Bible Institute with a degree in ministry leadership. She lives in South Mississippi with her husband, Master Sergeant Keith Brown of the U.S. Air Force. And they have four very energetic children, I'm sure. So, Megan, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join you. Well, first, start off off by just telling us a little bit about your testimony. How did you come to know Jesus? Oh, my goodness. That is actually a really interesting story. You know, my husband and I met uh, many, many, many years ago. Um, We were very young, and my husband is a cradle-to-the-grave believer, and I was not. I was a pretty militant atheist when we first Mm -hmm. met. I had pink hair and a nose ring and my first tattoo. Um, And if you can get the visual of my husband, right, he was... Uh, very tall and had a really nice, cleanly fresh starched Oxford with a high and tight with his shirt tucked into his jeans kind of guy. We could not have been more different than chalk and cheese. And so, you know, uh, we kind of think it's really funny, um, you know, how the Lord works. Um, But we were married um, at 20 years young. Wait, wait, wait. And uh, wait, 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 wait. I just have to ask, Megan, so really different set of pictures there. What was your first impression when you met him that first time? So I always joke that I married an organic farm-to-table Midwestern boy. I mean, he was so polite. He still is very polite. Opening doors, very, very well raised, uh, my husband. Um, And I was wild with a capital W. I mean, I still am, but in the fun and acceptable ways. And so, you know, um, we we were completely um, just taken with one another. And and I remember my first thought being this guy can't be for real. I mean, so clean cut in his in his little white shirt with that top button. Um, And and, I mean, I was I was a very colorful person. And so it, it, at first glance, it didn't seem like it would work. And I remember even on our first date, he told me um, that he felt like the Lord was like putting it on his heart that we would get married. And I thought that was the strangest thing. I was like, does that work for you? That is the weirdest pickup line I've ever heard. Does that work? Like, <laughs> that's odd. And um, four months later, we were married. We, our first date was in December um, and we were married four months later. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild, wild ride. And so... Um, we had been married maybe six months and it was a Sunday morning and, you know, Sunday comes after Saturday and Saturday I was out late and, you know, living my best life with the worst of habits. And he wakes me up and he's like, Hey, I think we're going to go to church this morning. And I sort of chuckled. I'm like, look, I don't church, bud. like, um, how about this? You go to church and you can carry me to Chili's after you're done with church. That sounds awesome plan. And he's like, no, I, I really will be disappointed if you don't, you know, just try to join me. 
And I felt bad. We were newlyweds. And man, he really did look good in that uniform. I didn't want to disappoint him. And so um, this was in the early 2000s, guys. So I know you can wear whatever you want to church nowadays, but in the in the early 2000s, it was not so. Um, I didn't know the rules. So I threw on the clothes I had worn the night before, no makeup and flip flops. And he brings me to this very nice affluent church um, in North Mississippi. And I'm sure the deacons thought I needed some sort of financial assistance. I mean, I looked like a bag lady <laughs> and uh, it was bad guys. And so, um, you know, that Bible they give you at graduation, it was like a leather new international version with like right. the leather, like, yeah, the gold foil tissue Bible. And so um, I had one, um, it was still in the wrapping and I was using it as a doorstop in our second bedroom, like apartment. And um, I grabbed it, I unwrapped it and we're in the car. We get to this building and I remember sitting in this very long wooden bench and this very round man with a wicked comb over and a three piece suit starts making his way to the pulpit. And I mean, he was sweating a lot, guys. I was a little worried for him. I was like, is that guy all right? Like, what's about to happen in here? That's, is he okay? Um, and he just had this like really loud voice. And, and I just remember, all right, beloved, we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And I thought, what's an Ephesia? What is that? I am like peering over the pew and I'm like, what? What are we looking at? Um, it's in the back half of this really big book. And so I, I get there. And now, guys, I had heard gospel words before. Um, I had worked as a waitress in college and I got, you know, tracks instead of tips. Like I knew the words, but but I had never heard the gospel this way. I mean, this guy was expositing Ephesians 1 and I had never heard it taught like this. And here's this guy just pouring it out. You've been predestined to sonship, adopted from the foundation of the world, lavished in love, chosen according to the will of the father, sons and daughters. Like you could have knocked me over with a feather. I was wrecked guys. And I'm just sitting in this pew, like crying in this Bible. And, you know, we get back to our Hyundai and I'm like looking at my husband. I'm like, is that for real? Like, is this, is this real? And he's like, babe, I've known that since I was five. I'm so glad you know it now too. Want to go to Chili's? I'll tell you all about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So um, I always joke that my testimony starts with Jesus and fajitas. Um, my husband did his best to explain the scriptures and a Christian worldview and, you know, who God is and what he's like, you know, in, in an hour over over Chili's fajitas. And, and I feel like that was kind of my beginning. Um, I was baptized not long later uh, when we were pregnant with our first kiddo. Um, we joked that she got to go twice. And so she's 15 now, guys, pray for me. Um, so, you know, we, <laughs> it's crazy. So, you know, my testimony was really that my husband, I jokingly say this, but he dragged me before the Lord, like, you're going to hear it. <laughs> and and um, I haven't been the same since. You know, a lot of people say or talk about missionary dating, Right. But it's, your story is more like missionary marriage. Marriage. <laughs> right. I know. It was so fast. That oh, was really, so really fast. I know. And Megan, it's, isn't it interesting that this was kind of a different path to you finding Jesus is very unique. But most mothers of good Christian boys don't really recommend that path. But look at you now. 
It's incredible. You know, I, I really feel like it was the it was the Lord. I mean, like just we look back, we talk about it all the time, like how we can look back kind of down the hall of our history and be like, man, how did we know that that was what the Lord was doing? And and I, I do think it is the exception and not the rule because I have sons too. And I'm like, man, sons, um, you like we can talk all day about what mommy was like. Like it was hard. Like and and I think that, you know, my husband's patience with me. I don't, and I even asked him one time, I'm like, you're going to have to explain your reasoning to me because like, how in the world did you see any kind of fruitful future with what we had going on back in the day? Um, and, and there've been a multitude of different answers over the years. They tend to, to change based on just the angle we're looking at it from, if that makes sense. Because when we were young, it just sounded fun. Like, yeah, let's get married. It's Thursday. Sure. Uh, my mother-in-law loved that about us guys. She, she really did. Uh-huh. Like, sure. you know, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I mean, and now he's covered in tattoos and, and drives a Harley. I'm sure she loves me for that too. Um, but, but I think that um, we, we really, I don't know if it was that we just didn't quote unquote think through some of these things more than the Lord was just redeeming things faster than we could make it up. You know, um, it right. was really, really cool to see. It was really cool to see. And maybe both. You know what? So- and I was going to say, I could relate in a flip-flop way, okay? Because um, my when I met my husband, he was totally like anti-Christian. And he told me right away, I mean, we were getting along and we were, you know, we were getting to know each other and we were friends. And then when I'm like, so which church do you go to? And he's like, yeah, no way. I would never go to church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And a good Christian girl, solid in her faith, should have said, okay, nice to have met you. You know, we could be friends. But instead I was like, so you want to get coffee? <laughs> like, what was I thinking? And the funny thing is that, like you said, that like God redeemed that. And he actually came to the Lord where we got married. And now it's like, he's a better Christian than me. And so it's really cool to see how God works. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that. I totally relate with you, like in a flip-flop way. But this podcast is not about me. We want to hear more about you. And especially in your jumping into this marriage with your husband and and then knowing, coming to know Jesus, now you're on, on fire Christian. Like, did you know really what you were signing up for as far as the military career? Like, did you know what you were getting into? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, one of the reasons that we wrote this book and this book is actually very, 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 um, Oh, just special to me in a way. So, you know, the second half of my testimony is that once I got into the church, I didn't know how to fit in. Mm. I was not discipled. I wasn't invited into the women's ministry. I mean, we joined uh, this thing called a Sunday school group. That was an interesting experience for someone who had no <laughs> Sunday school experience. Um, I, I figured out very quickly that I wore the wrong clothes. I had the wrong vocabulary. I had the wrong hairstyle. I had the wrong style in general. I, I didn't feel like I could fit. And I felt this overwhelming pressure to look and sound like the people around me. And it was, if, if I'm honest, it was like super discouraging because I remember um, this very well-meaning lady, she printed out a copy of Proverbs 31 and she's like, now you put this in your Bible and you ask God every day to make you this lady. That's your job now is to become this lady. Now I read Proverbs 31 with my husband and I looked at him. I'm like, boss, I got, I got something to tell you. You ain't getting none of that. Like it didn't <laughs> happen. And for you, um, if that's the expectation, you better see if uh, your uh, exchange and return period has not expired because I'm not going to 
do any of this. Um, so you mean I have to have a corner office and kids that wear matching socks and uh, run nonprofits while uh, making sashes? You're out of luck, big guy. That's not going to happen for you. And and I remember that um, I, I spent six years in the church, right? We'd been married for about six years um, when my first, you know, I had no idea what I signed up for moment happened to me. Mm. And so, you know, we had been married. We had we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. I was Christian in name only. I was going to church. I had never been discipled. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't understand. I kept hearing people say, you need a relationship with Jesus. But nobody showed me what that was. And so to me, it just sounded like as long as I'm nice to people and mm -hmm. I show up at this building on Sunday, then I guess I'm a Christian. And, you know, my husband got sent to Afghanistan. And when when he went to Afghanistan, we were stationed remote. So we were about an hour away from any installation. And, you know, about three months in, uh, there's a knock on the door and it's a postal worker. And this postal worker has his foot lockers. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, why do you have his stuff? And she said, looks like someone's coming home. Well, I hadn't heard from him in a month. And I thought, I, I, I just turned sheet white. And I looked at this stranger at my door and I said, are you here to tell me my husband's dead? Yeah. And she just, she freaked out. I freaked out. I mean, everybody freaked out, guys. And, and I just remember shutting the door after dragging his foot lockers in. And I'm staring at the lockers in this beige wall in our house. Our kids are running around in the background. And I am just sobbing. I'm like, life as I know it is over. And I had no idea what to do. And so I look over and my Bible sitting there, that new international version, you know, Bible that I've been carrying around for six years. And I picked it up and I'm like, some big dude on Sunday said, you talk book. Like, how does that work? Is it like an eight ball situation? Like, I just like turn you around for a minute and then you're going to flip open to a book and you're going to tell me what's happening. Like, should I be hearing a sound? Like, what does it mean? And I, I threw it on my coffee table and it landed in Thessalonians. And I was like, what's a Lonian? I don't know. And I, I mean, I don't think I understood anything it said. And there was this little bitty phrase in red, pray without ceasing. And I remember being furious. Like, I don't know how to do that. What do I just talk? And so I'm walking around my house for three days wiping down counters. Lord, please don't let my husband be dead. Getting kids out of the tub. Lord, this is not what I wanted. I read that thing in Jeremiah. Is this what you meant? That can't be what you meant. And then there were times that I was just crying. Like, I don't know. Where are you? Like, I can't hear anything. I can't feel anything. It, I am not comforted. And uh, three days go by. Every black car that passes my house sends me into a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And then I get a phone call, right? It's that weird number. And I'm like Olympic style pole vaulting over my couch to get to my cell phone. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, it was a visual. And so I, I pick it up and it's him. And he's like, I'm fine. We had to move. My stuff wouldn't fit on the truck. I hope it made it home. Guys, oh my goodness. I was like, I'm going to come through this phone and I'm going to cause you physical harm. You have just scared the daylights out of me. This is the worst week of my adult life. Send smoke signals next time. Put a note in the box. You could have put a sticky note in the box that says, I'm fine. This has been horrible. Why have you done this to me? But but while I was relieved, and I can, it's it's one of those things that that's not the feeling I remember first. I remember gut wrenching, crushing conviction that I had a Bible mm. and no idea what it said. 
that mm. I proclaimed to have this faith and I didn't know how to access it, that I knew no things about what it meant to be a believer as a military spouse. I didn't know. And, you know, as a result, every night I'd put my kids down to bed. I was like, Lord, you're never going to find me here again. I'm going to figure out what's in here. And so I sat there with a children's Bible and a dictionary mm. and I was like, we're going to figure this out. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of where my real walk with the Lord started was there. Wow. That is so powerful, Megan. I, I feel convicted and encouraged all at the same time about this. And Chrissy, when we listen to Megan's story, first of all, about walking into a church with a girl with pink hair and a tattoo and a nose ring, all, all of that. And then that girl finding Jesus, and now she's married, and now she's going to church, but she's not being discipled. Like, Megan, that is just a um, reminder to the church to care for everyone. It really speaks. There's a really strong, important word there. And uh, yeah, there's more we could say about that. But And then mm -hmm. just how... The Lord has been your redeemer over and over, redeemed your soul right? and yes. redeemed all these moments, redeemed your marriage, it redeemed that gut-wrenching, horrible experience and really has called you his own. And, and your relationship with Jesus is just yours. So, Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we keep kind of talking about in the military space is that we're sneaking in and out of the backs of local churches um, and, and that was maybe 10 years ago, right? That that was happening. Now we're not even coming in the doors. Mm. Like there's a reason we call ourselves military missionaries, right? Because before people were like, well, I guess we're supposed to do this. I've heard that this is where you get connected. You can find community. And, and they have found that to be untrue. And so now what we're ending up with is a lot of people that are lost, a lot of people that are disconnected, disenfranchised, or even have been wounded by the church. And, you know, one of the things that, that, I talk about that was so just transformational for me is that, you know, he came home and we moved, we moved to the Mississippi Gulf coast. And I'm like, look, there are so many women like me who are getting the knocks on the door and no one's coming. The thing that I remember the most poignantly is that I was the most terrified I've ever been. And there was no one to call. I hadn't, I knew mm. no one. Yeah. So those three days were spent alone. And so I was like, look, like nobody on my watch. I'll just open my front door, see what happens. And so in 2014, we're at Keesler, right? That's almost 10 years ago. And I'm like, look, I post on the Facebook page. I don't really know what I'm doing, guys, but I'm reading the Gospel of Luke. If anybody wants to come, I've got a coffee pot and loud children. And, you know, the first week there were six of us. It was me and my weird neighbor and a handful of women from the street and I thought, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm literally just regurgitating what my pastor was teaching on Sunday. We're walking through line by line, the book of Luke. Well, the next week there were 17. And the week after that, there were 25 women in standing room only. And I'm looking out my front window and there's a woman dragging a lawn chair <laughs> to get into my living room. Oh my goodness. And I looked around and I was like, Lord, if I'm your Bible teacher, you need to call HR. You got a problem. If it's me... Like, um, if it's me, there's a problem. Um, you might want to do something about that. You don't want me out here in these streets. But it went so quickly from six to 25 that within another few months, there were 40. Wow. And we couldn't fit anymore. 
And and so like I walked down to the chapel on base and I was like, hey, uh, sir, um, I have a little bit of a problem. He's like, what's going on? I said, um, we're broke. I've spent all our money and uh, we have no more space. And uh, my kitchen is a Play-Doh nightmare, sir. It's terrible. Like, I'm going to need your help. And so we started meeting in the chapel on Thursdays. Um, and by 2017, we had outgrown the government building, the funding, the staff. There were over 200 participants. And what I learned, right, and what the Lord was doing in that, one is that there are pockets of revival happening in the military space that people don't know about. And two... Wow when we took the 10 Bible studies of 10 women and broke them into 20 groups of five, and we went back to the coffee table, the Lord really showed us what he was doing. Um, these women started moving. And then I'm getting calls from Japan, Korea, Cali, Texas, Florida, South Dakota. Hey, we're still meeting. There's six of us in a coffee pot. We got Bibles in hand. That's all we're doing. So when I say the Lord made me start writing, he made me start writing because there, there's no presence in today's Christian communications around the military experience. Like our, our, our lives and our experiences aren't really well representative in today's literary context. And so uh, really what I really wanted to focus on with my first book, which was a study through the book of Esther, and then you know this Know It You Signed Up For, it's this is how to be a military spouse and a believer to live for the Great Commission um, because we're seeing that military community members were made for mission work. We already live our lives on mission. We already sacrifice. We're already in the nations. If the church wants to see um, a revival like they've never seen before, give military community members the gospel and see what happens. It is traveling and it's catching fire. And we are loving every moment of it, watching the Lord in fierce pursuit of his children. It's amazing. That's incredible. I know. I'm amazed because you know what? When even in the intro, when uh, we introduced you as a military missionary, I wasn't thinking in the terms that you were describing. I was thinking more of like, um, I, and this this I'm sure comes, but really evangelizing to other spouses in the military. But what you're even talking about is that what comes after that is how you know, people who are on fire for Jesus, then they're being sent out, just the Great Commission being sent out because they're being stationed again at different places all around the globe. And with them goes the gospel, right? This, Amen. With them goes, the gospel goes before them. They're creating new communities. They're able to reach others um, in ways that those of us in, not in the military can't, right? Or even those that aren't in like, like in, those who are in the mission field can't, you know, when you have those missionaries who are going out into the bushes of Africa or in different, just unreached parts. But this, this is incredible. This is why I call them like the VIPs, man, the VIPs of the church. And I think also too, I want to add that at the beginning, when we were talking about the, the, some facts about military spouses and it really looked like they're very, they're very vulnerable to attacks of the, by the enemy, right? I got, or Satan wants to isolate, so it can make you feel alone and hopeless and fearful for what could come for your spouse. But then it's like, hey, guess what? The joke's on you, Satan, because these spouses are just, you know, armed with the word of God, and they're going out there to spread that message. Um, just around the globe. So I think that is so incredible. Tell us, can you tell me a little bit more about 
the book. Know what you signed up for. Can can you tell us a little bit about that? And why is it, right? What's that title about and why is it so special to you? Yeah. So um, I absolutely love they let, they let me keep my title because it's actually a little salty, guys. Yeah. Um, there's a saying in our community. Um, it's usually kind of dumped out on the floor like unwanted garbage. When we are in a vulnerable conversation and we're talking about the things that the military community has cost us, either we're, we're experiencing loneliness or we're frustrated or, you know, for the millionth time um, we got turned down for a job because we're moving mm-hmm. and it's not worth the investment, right? Like the, the difficulties of the military life really do hinder um, in a lot of ways. And it's not a bad life. I, I mean, my husband is about to retire. It's not a bad life, but the bad days are really, really bad. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about those bad days and we're crying or confiding in someone um, in our civilian communities, we usually get, well, you knew what you signed up for. Um, and and I, guys, I'm going to be honest. I have trouble controlling my face. It's one of those like, oh, gross. Um, mm, no. And and I mean, sure, we knew that we would have long periods of time that we would be separated because it was wartime, right? Like my husband and I both enlisted after 9-11. I mean, I married in. I made it all the way through MEPS and, and I swore in. And, and he was like, hey, just let me put a ring on it. And if you would have seen him in that early 2000s BDU black T-shirt, you would have said yes to that, too. And so, like, <laughs> I, I didn't end up going. But it was one of those things that we knew that there was going to be a lot asked of us. But in no way could we count the cost. And so, like, for instance, my husband was deployed to an undisclosed location in the Middle East in 2019. He came home maybe two weeks before the world shut down. Mm. And then two months into the world shutting down, they sent him orders for Korea unaccompanied for a year. So out of three years, our family lived in separate zip codes for two full 12-month periods. That's two years of my children missing their dad on their birthday. Two years of holidays that went by. He left an 11-year-old daughter and came home to a 13-year-old teenager. And, And let's be honest, like there's some grief there that there is two years missing. And I think the other thing that, that you know, we couldn't count, like when I was walking down the aisle looking at that guy, looking all sharp with his high and tight haircut, I wasn't fast forwarding to the future of watching our then nine-year-old son cry for eight hours straight because all he wanted was his dad on his birthday. Like you don't count that. And so for me, when someone says you knew what you signed up for, not only is it a soul-crushing judgment-filled condescension, it is also a gross misunderstanding. It's like, man, no, like we did not know, like this actually hurts most days. And so when I wrote Know What You Signed Up For, I compare not knowing what we signed up for to like when Jesus has his hand outstretched to you and says, I'm offering you an eternal wellspring of life from now until the end of your days, you will be loved, cherished, cared for, and you will have a sense of identity that doesn't belong to you, that is unshakable. You're like, that sounds great, right? Like, yeah, you're not counting the cost. You're not thinking about what you have to put down. You're not thinking about what he's going to ask you to sacrifice. You're definitely not thinking about now I have to live my life for others because the Great Commission is a biblical (laughs) mandate. Not thinking about those things. And so, you know, really... If I'm really honest, this book is a love letter to me when I was a brand new military spouse 17 years ago. It's this is what you're signing up for, to follow Jesus, to love his people, 
and to live centered around the Great Commission. That's so good. That's incredible. I think that um, it sounds like everything in your book would have been, like you just said, what you would have told your younger self, right? Um, but if you can maybe pull out one line, if you could only say one thing to that 20-year-old, what would you say? Oh, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. All of it is worth it. Megan, that's the name of your next book. Yes. Yeah. And well, you know, when I think about what, there, well, there's really two things. I would say one, it's all worth it. And then the second thing that's really important to know is that God uses things we wouldn't, I mean, he uses situations and circumstances and, and, and life stages that we think are unredeemable. Um, and I've seen him do it time and time again. Not only is it all worth it for the Lord, um, he uses things you wouldn't. Um, who would think that, you know, the greatest scare of my adult life would be how he shows his son to other women? Who would think that, you know, these immense and, and exhausting times of loneliness would drive connectivity to other people? He uses some of the worst parts of our story um, for his will, for, for his glory and for the good of those around. And, and I think that that is what gives me comfort now as a seasoned military spouse. And, you know, seasoned is just another word for old. Um, but as an older military <laughs> spouse, um, you know, I, I can look back and say, I'm grateful that the Lord brought me through the things he brought me through and allowed me to experience some of the things I've experienced because now I can give those over to him and surrender. And he uses those to, to present his son to the lost through those things, you know? That's right. It's good. All right. Where can we find your book, Megan? So the book um, is available in all major retailers, wherever you can get your books, you can get it there. Um, we're really excited because it's part of a line. So um, there's a second book uh, by Jessica Manfrey called Never Alone. And it is uh, a look at Ruth, the modern military spouse and the God who goes with us. Um, so they're launching together. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful example of how the Lord is in fierce pursuit of our community. Um, resources for and by our community are starting to appear on the map. And we're really excited about that. So you can find Know, Where you, well, know What You Signed Up For um, and Never Alone um, in retailers everywhere. Sounds terrific. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, so much for coming on and just spending some time with Mindy and I and sharing your story and what you've learned. I know we can continue to talk on and on and maybe, um, you know, let's become friends. And I want to I want to hear more yes. of, of what you guys are doing and um, especially in your organization. But thank you so much. And until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.